Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. How many of you guys are serving or volunteering in some capacity at Summer Blast this summer? Yeah, we have 91 adult or teenage volunteers at Summer Blast this year. It is huge. I mean, that is that is awesome. Thank you for that. And I will tell you already, uh, I heard this morning, we have 76 kids who are pre-registered so far. And that's just pre-registration, okay? So we have no idea uh, how many to expect from walk-ins. It's usually a lot. And I know this, at a minimum, about half of those kids are kids who are not part of Compass. So already, God's doing something awesome through Summer Blast. I expect this week to be one of the best weeks in the life and history of our church. I want to thank you for being a part of that. So we're in a message series called Five Years From Now. And the reason we're here is because of this. I know, if you are like me, that we all want our lives to be better five years from now than our, lar- than our lives are right now. I think, though, sometimes it's tough for us to think about what our lives look like in the future. Sometimes it might be hard to picture really what that looks like. I think maybe what we ought to do then is, if we just took a look at what our lives looked like five years ago, that might help us to get a better picture of what we want our lives to look like, or maybe even what our lives are on track to look like five years from now. So let's just rewind with me, everybody. Rewind five years. Five years ago, I am in my 30s. Uh, five, years from, five years ago, all of my children are either in elementary school uh, or in junior high. So I got, you know, they're all bus riders. No one's driving themselves around. Uh, five years ago, I only have one dog. Uh, five years ago, I'm at least five pounds lighter. And, uh, and five years ago, Compass Church was meeting at the Galaxy Theater uh, over on the west side of town, and all of our portable equipment was shiny and new and not dinged or scratched up at all. That was five years ago. That's what, that's what life looked like. So now fast forward. You know, here I am now, and if I want to kind of extrapolate what my life looks like five years from now, I look at five years ago, and, and if the pattern holds, this is what will happen. Five years from now, I will be older. Okay, that's a thing. Um, five years from now, all of my kids will be in college. They'll be out of the house. Terry and I will be empty nesters. Um, if the pattern holds, then five years from now, uh, we'll have another dog. And Terry's like, nope. <laughs> uh, five years from now, I'll definitely be at least five pounds heavier. <laughs> And five years from now, it also means that that Compass will continue to grow and we'll be doing cool things in our community and Compass will just continue to make an impact in Bloomington Normal in a different way and things will look different. So if the pattern holds from here to here to here, then that's, that's what my next five years will look like. Now the question for each of us, if we look at that kind of pattern and if we look at how that pattern holds, it's like, what is, what does that look like for you? In fact, what does that pattern look like for you looking at your life today look, compared to five years ago? Is, is your life better? Is your life worse? Is it the same? Break it down into its components. I mean, your, your, think about your marriage. Is your marriage better five years ago than it was right now, or is your marriage better now than it was then? Is your, do you, are you still married you know, from, from five years ago. What about your family, your relationship with your kids? Five years ago, it looked like this. What does it look like right now? What, what about your job, your career? Is your life better in your job five years ago, or is it better now? Is it worse? Is it the same? You know, your schedule. Where do you spend your time? Are you more stressed? Are you less stressed? Is your life better now than it was five years ago? And if that pattern holds, what does your next five years look like? that pattern holds in place five years from now, what, what does it mean that your life is going to look like? 
Now, last week, we kind of kicked off this series talking about the importance of understanding and knowing your calling. Like, if you want to have a, the next five years of life be amazing, we need to understand what is our calling. What is it that God created us to be and to accomplish? That, and for each of us, it's unique. It's special. Each of us has a distinct and unique calling that God created us for. And we talked about how the only way to really find that is to seek God. When we seek God, we can discover what that calling for our lives really is. And yet... I think there's probably still a lot of us, maybe you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, a Christian for a long time. And maybe you have a grasp on <clears throat> your calling. Maybe you have a, a bit of a grasp on what you feel like you were created to do or to be. And yet when you look at your life, there is a gap between what you feel like your calling is or what you want your life to look like and, and what it really is. Even as followers of Jesus who understand our calling, for many of us, there's this distance between what we want our lives to be and what our lives actually are right now. And even as Christians, I think many of us live in the tension of that. That feeling that I know I'm called and I'm meant to be something better than what I am right now, but the way my life looks, the way it's bearing out, it, it just isn't what I expected it or what I think it should or is supposed to be. And I think that that gap that exists for many of us between our calling and our lives, I think that gap is, is caused by an absence of vision. And vision is the thing that I want to talk about today. Last week it was calling, and today I want to talk about vision and the importance of vision so that five years from now your life is the best that it could ever be. Now to do that, we need to kind of define what is vision. Okay, let's all get on the same page. What is vision for your life, vision for your future? And basically a vision is this. Vision is the capacity to see a preferred future for your life. It's a capacity to paint a picture for what you want your life to look like or what you expect your life to look like. Honestly, like one of the things, I'm not great at a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff you don't want me to touch. But one of the things that God has kind of given me the capacity for is just I, I tend to think like vision all the time. I tend to think about like, what is, what is our church going to look like five years from now? Where, where are we going to be 10 years from now? What does this space look like? What do our ministries look like? What does my life look like? It's, it's just, I'm, I'm kind of wired to think that way. But, but I think for a lot of us, I don't know that that is really a second nature thing to us. I think for most of us, I think that the natural flow of life, the river of life, those currents just kind of take us where they will. And rather than kind of being, rather than being directed by this preferred picture of a future that we all have for ourselves, we're really just kind of, we kind of just are moved by the flow of the urgent every day, right? Most of us, when we get up in the morning, we aren't thinking, five years from now, I'm heading this direction, and so because of that, I need to make these choices today. Most of us go, uh, get up in the morning, and we look at our phone, and we go, oh crap, this is all I have to do today, and that is, that is what dictates the direction and the flow of our lives, and even if we have a calling that we understand, this thing that we feel like God created us to be, sometimes our calling can be pushed aside by our calendar. Which means that vision is so important for us to be able to bring our calling to life and to, and to kind of bring it into the world. And so that absence, that tension that many of us live in, I believe that tension of this is what I feel like my life is supposed to be and this is what my life actually is. I believe that tension lives in the world of an absence of vision. But did you know that God created you to have great vision? 
And God created you to accomplish and to do great things and to live a wonderful and incredible life. And I know this because I can look at his word and I can look at the Bible and I can see story after story of men and women who lived these incredible lives, who had incredible vision. And one of those people is the Apostle Paul. Now the Apostle Paul, we started talking about him last week. He was the person who really started most of the churches in the ancient world. He took the church um, at large outside of its beginnings in Jerusalem in a small little part of the ancient world, and he took the gospel into up to areas of Asia and even to the, to the beginnings areas of Europe at the time, and we're going to actually talk about that quite a bit. But Paul, he would write letters to churches that he started, and he would write letters to other churches just to encourage them and, and to, to let them know he was pulling for them, to kind of give them some guidance and instruction, and even to just tell them he was on his way to come visit them. One of these letters that Paul wrote was a letter to the church in Rome. Now, Paul had not visited the church in Rome yet once Christianity had started. It was his ambition to always go there. And so what he did is he wrote this letter to the, to the Christians in Rome to kind of give them a heads up that he wanted to make it and kind of talk to them about the gospel. And in this letter to the church at Rome, Paul talks in chapter 15 a lot about how do we have the best next five years of our lives? And he talks about calling, which he talked about last week. And we're going to pick up in that same chapter, and we're going to see what Paul has to say about vision. And here's the thing. Paul understood the importance of vision because he had great vision from God. In Romans chapter 15, verse 20, Paul begins to elaborate on that vision. He says this, My ambition, my vision, my dream, has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching in places like these. Now, last week we talked about this. Paul's calling, his calling was to preach the gospel to people who are outside of the Jewish faith. Christianity, when it began, it started inside of Judaism. And so it started in, in, the, in the city of Jerusalem. It's where Christianity kind of like had its, its very beginning. And Paul had this calling to take Christianity outside of the realms of the Jewish faith, outside of the realms of people who had an understanding of the ancient Jewish scriptures. He wanted to take Christianity, he wanted to take the message of Jesus to people who were so far outside of that context. That was Paul's calling. It's what he had to do. It's what he was wired to do. It's what God had designed him and created to do. And Paul's vision was a little different than that. Paul's vision was to go and preach the gospel where it had never been preached before. Now, here's the difference between his calling and his vision. His calling, he had to do it. It was to preach to the Gentiles, preach to people who weren't Jewish. What Paul's vision did was it gave context to his calling. He was going to preach to Gentiles, take the, take the gospel message outside of the Jewish faith, And his vision was to do that by going places where the name of Jesus had never been spoken before. Now think about this. Paul's calling could have been executed. It could have been lived out right in Jerusalem. Because there were people who lived in Jerusalem who weren't Jewish. And therefore Paul's vision could have been, I have a vision to preach to Gentiles right here in Jerusalem. And to take the message of the gospel to them right here in this big capital city. But that wasn't what his vision was. His vision was to go to places it had never been. His vision brought flesh and context to the calling God had placed in his life. And it's the same for us. Let me give you an illustration here. Maybe, you know, your calling is to teach. You know, God has wired you and he's designed you to impart information to other people and to teach them. 
Now, that's, that, that's, a very, that's a specific calling, but how is that played out? What is your vision for that? That can be played out in very different ways. Maybe your vision to be a teacher is played out by teaching um, young kids. Maybe you want to be a kindergarten teacher or a preschool teacher. And your vision is to raise up a generation of people by capturing them when they're really, really young and teaching them. Now, if your calling is to be a teacher, but you are terrible with kids and you hate kids, maybe your vision is not going to be to teach elementary school kids. Maybe your vision to teach is to teach in a college setting where you're shaping adult minds. Maybe your vision to teach is to, is to help um, adults get their GED and they can finish a high school education that they never, never finished uh, when they were in high school. There's lots of different visions that can attach to a different calling, but, but what vision does is it brings context to our calling, and it takes it out of the realm of the kind of philosophical and thought life, and it paints it into the real world. Now, I don't know about you, I, I have wrestled with my calling a lot in life, and I've tried to seek God out to discover what that is, and there have been times in my life where I've known what my calling is, but I've just been immobile in it. And I've just kind of sat here, and I've just wrestled with God, and been like, God, I'm meant for so much more. You created me for this calling. Why am I not doing this calling? When the reality is, is I had my calling, but I didn't have a vision for my life. I didn't have a vision for how that calling was going to be played out in my life. And Paul is saying this. Paul's saying, I have this vision, and it's big, and it, and it, and it takes my calling, and it paints it into the real world. Now, let's look at, this is what's cool about Paul's vision. Paul's vision was really specific, and it was adaptive as well. This is what he says. He says, but now, my vision is this, to go to places where the gospel's never, never been, but now I've finished my work in these regions. So he's saying this, I've had this vision to go to these specific places where no one had heard about Jesus, and then I did it. And I accomplished those things. In fact, we know from what he said in the last passage that he didn't make it to Rome because he just kept getting delayed in these places. And then Paul says this, and after all these years of waiting, I finished it. And now I'm eager to come visit you. I finished my vision, and now I'm eager to come visit you. And then he says this. And I'm also planning on going to Spain. And when I do, I'll stop off in Rome. And, and after I've enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. Now, this is, this is kind of cool. Like, you may not grasp like, exactly what Paul's saying here. This is what Paul's saying. Paul went to all these places. He accomplished his vision. And now he's always wanted to go to Rome, and he's going to do that. But, but his goal has changed. His vision has changed because he doesn't really want to go to Rome. He wants to go to Spain. Now, at this point in the ancient world, at this part of the world, Spain was as far west as you could possibly go. Spain was the edge of the world. So Paul went to all these places where the gospel had never been. <coughs> and now Paul's saying, now I want to find somewhere else where the gospel has never been. And yeah, I'm going to stop off in Rome, but now I have this new vision to accomplish my calling. And I'm going to pass Rome, and I'm going to go all the way to Spain, and I'm going to get into Europe, and then whatever comes after that, I'm just going to keep pushing, and I'm going to keep going. Because Paul's vision was super specific, and it was super adaptive. It just continued to grow and expand. And this is what's kind of funny. Like, Paul, Paul is so sold out to his vision. that He's like, he tells the Roman church, he's like, you know, I'm going to accomplish this vision, and I'm going to stop by and visit you, and, and I'm going to allow you guys to give me money so that you can fund my mission to keep going out into Spain. I'm just going to go ahead and let you guys do that. He totally, like, he gets his vision. He understands it. He, it, it, is, it motivates him, and it drives him. The picture of the future that Paul has is so clearly painted in his mind that nothing is going to stop him from going and accomplishing it. Vision matters. Paul had it. And it gave him an incredibly fulfilling and satisfying life. And it made him accomplish incredible great things. Vision matters for you. 
And you need a vision for your life. You need a grasp of, if you want the next five years of your life to be incredible and to not just be the same or even worse than what came before, you have to have a picture of a preferred future for your life that you want to begin moving your life toward. But the problem is, is that I think a lot of us were like, well, how does that even happen? You know, Paul had a great vision, but where did it come from? How did Paul get his vision? Because I need to understand that if I'm going to understand how I'm going to have a vision for my life. And so this is, this is what's interesting. The, the scriptures tell us this about vision. Proverbs 29, 18. It's a little bit of a familiar verse. And I'll tell you right now, like you're probably never ever going to hear me use the King James version again. But I, I really like how this is translated in King James. And it says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision matters. We have to have it. And when there isn't vision, life is just stalled out. It doesn't, it doesn't even really matter. It doesn't go anywhere. Where there's no vision, the people perish. This is what the New Living Translation, uh, the, the translation of the Bible that we use at Compass um, says. It says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. See, vision matters. And without vision, without vision, your life has no direction. It has no course. It's just, it's just aimless. It's like, it's not a river that's, chan- that's you know, that's direct and has a, a charted course where it's pushing its, all the water through. It's more like a swamp that's just stinky and expansive and it's just kind of this big gross blob that just kind of sits there. It, that's what a life without vision is. And let me kind of put it to you this way. Okay, um, this, is, this is the importance and why, why vision matters so much. Because without vision, life is just aimless. So let me ask you this question. Do you have vision for your life? Do you have a vision for your future? Do you know the direction that you're going? Like Paul did. You know, Paul knew his direction. He knew his future. He knew where he wanted to be. Do you know that? Is it as specific as the vision that Paul had for his life? And I think for many of us, I mean, if I'm just being totally honest, I think we live, for the most part, lives without a lot of vision. So how did Paul get his vision? Where did it come from? And here's kind of the main point. And like, take a picture of this, write it down. This is really important to grasp if we're going to live lives of vision, and it's this. It's that God-sized vision comes from a God-centered relationship. Okay, God-sized vision comes from God-centered relationship. Now let me dig into that. Let me illustrate it for you a little bit. Um, If you're married, you started dating. Um, Or maybe you're not married. Maybe you're in that dating phase right now. Or maybe, maybe you're not even dating yet. But you know what it's like to be in that crush phase, you know, where you're like infatuated with someone. And, and I, may, I think this, this particular part of it is maybe more of a girl thing, but like, girls, you ever had a crush on someone and you're dating someone and you get your notepad and you start writing your first name and his last name <laughs> and then a heart and then you write it again and again and again. And it's like a hundred times on a sheet of paper, just like, oh, because you're just, you're imagining what would it be like if we got married? Guys, you ever dated a girl and you feel like she might be the one and you start to think about, like, what, what's, it, what's it look like when I get a ring? What's it look like if we get married? What is, where do we live? What, what does life look like if I marry this person, if they are the one? Maybe you are married. Maybe you've just been married for a little bit. Um, you don't have kids yet, and like, but you love each other. And so you start thinking about what does life look like if we started a family? What is that like? What's that going to be? You start to dream and imagine this future when you have this new family. And and can I just tell you, here's what's happening. 
you are, you are centered and oriented around a relationship with that person. And when you start, when you start centering your life around, or centering your heart around a relationship with a person, you begin to develop a vision for your future with that person. Terry and I have been married for over 20 years, and uh, you know, I told you earlier, we're looking ahead in like the next five years at being empty nesters. My heart is oriented around my relationship with my wife. I mean, she's just, she's, my heart is just turned towards her. And because of that, we're already thinking about what does life look like when our kids are out? What type of fun are we gonna have? What's gonna change for us? What is our home gonna be like? How many dogs are we never gonna have again so that we can leave the house at a moment's notice? You know, But like these are the things we're already talking about and thinking about these things. And we're developing a vision for our future together as husband and wife. And the reason we are is because our hearts are oriented around our relationship with each other. And it's the same with God. When, you, when your heart is oriented around your relationship with God, you start to develop a vision for what your life looks like in the context of that relationship. And so being God-centered in your life, being God-centered in your relationship means that a vision can begin to grow for your life, and it's a God-sized vision. I mean, my vision for my future with my wife is really cute and it's fun, but like a God-sized vision? A vision that comes from the creator of the universe, from the person who designed me and developed me and created me for a specific calling? What incredible vision could that be when I begin to turn my life and orient my thoughts around my relationship to Him? When your heart is oriented towards God and centered around His will, there's God-sized vision for your life. And here's how I know this. I know this because Paul says it and so does Proverbs. Look at, look at the passage of Proverbs we just looked at. The first half says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Without vision, people perish, right? That's what it looks like without vision. But this is what it looks like with vision. Whoever obeys the law is joyful. See, having and living a life of vision is not just about, you know, being able to write out your dreams and be in, begin to create setting goals to accomplish those dreams and believing that you can. Okay, that's just optimism. Now, that's a good thing. It's good to be optimistic and believe that you can accomplish your goals and dreams, but real vision develops out of relationship. And Proverbs 29, the writer is telling us this, where there's no vision, it's just chaotic. But vision comes from attuning your heart towards God, from, from tuning your heart towards His Word, towards his will and when your heart is turned that direction man it's joyful it's hopeful there's life there real vision is something that comes from a real relationship with God and look at what Paul writes this is the passage that was right in the middle of Paul describing his vision I pulled it out to surprise you but this is what Paul says he says I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says those who have never been told about him will see him and those who have never heard of him will understand Paul's like here's my vision it's to go to places where the gospel's never been before. He says, you know where that vision came from? It came because I've attuned myself to the scripture. I've attuned myself to knowing God. I've attuned myself to being close to him, to understanding and following his will. Paul's life was oriented completely around his relationship with God. And as a result, Paul had and accomplished a God-sized vision. My watch is talking to me. Paul accomplished and had a God-sized vision that nobody else could have accomplished because it was God's vision for his life that only came from a life that was oriented and centered around following God, obeying God, knowing God, 
and loving God. So last week, a holiday was celebrated called Juneteenth, and it was on June 19th. Um, if, If you're an average white American, it's possible that you don't know what this holiday is. Juneteenth is the day that we celebrate the end of slavery. Now this is interesting. Why do we celebrate this on June 19th? The Emancipation Proclamation was given by Abraham Lincoln, and basically that said this, slavery is abolished, and all the slaves are free. That happened in 1863. But it wasn't until June 19th of 1865, two years later, that the slaves in the state of Texas heard about the Emancipation Proclamation. That means it took two years from when Abraham Lincoln announced that slavery was abolished, from when he said, this is over. It took two years for word to reach the slaves in Texas, because obviously the slave owners in Texas didn't want that word to get out. For two years, there were hundreds and thousands of people who continued to live in slavery even after slavery had ended. They continued to live in slavery even after they had already been set free. So Juneteenth, June 19th, is the day we celebrate the the real end of slavery in the United States. And can I tell you that there's a spiritual application to this because I think there are many of us who have who've accepted Jesus. We've said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. And, and we, we say we're followers of Jesus and we've welcomed him in. And yet a real evaluation of our lives shows that we are living in the same slavery that we lived in before he came into our lives. That our habits, our, our behaviors, our attitudes, our actions really don't look that much different than when we said yes to Jesus, the life that we were living before Jesus. And can I tell you, I think the reason is because many of us are continuing to live in slavery. We are continuing to live in the absence of freedom because just like the slaves in Texas, we didn't have the vision to know that we were really set free. And God wants to proclaim to you today that in Him and in relationship with Him, there is a new vision for your life. It doesn't matter how much you've messed it up. It doesn't matter how broken it is. It doesn't matter if five years ago things were better than they are right now. God has a new and a fresh vision for your life that you will only find in centering your life around a relationship with Him. Today He's saying this. He's saying, I'm available to you. I've got something new and better for you. I want the next five years to be your best five years. It doesn't matter what came before. I want you to walk in freedom and I don't want you to be trapped in spiritual slavery because you just don't have the vision to know that I've got so much more for you. So maybe you're here and you're you're a follower of Jesus and this is you. If you're being really totally honest, Your struggles, your challenges, your habits are basically all the same as they were before Jesus came into your life. And can I tell you, it's not because God doesn't have the power to transform your life, and it it isn't because Jesus' plan for your life is not bigger and better. It's likely that it's simply because you haven't oriented your life around relationship with God. You may even understand what your calling is. But what your calling is and how you're living are just completely set apart, and you're living in the tension of the gap between those two things because you don't have a vision for your life that comes when your life is centered around a relationship with Him. And today, 
you need to say this. Just like Paul said, just like Proverbs 23 said, you need to say, I need to orient my life around the word. The word of God where I can know and understand who he is. Prayer, I can seek him out and know who he is. And when you do that, God will, he will give you a vision you could never possibly dream or imagine was possible. Maybe here you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Christian yet. Maybe for you, centering your life around a relationship with God just starts by saying yes to a relationship with God. Today, this vision for your life, a calling and purpose that's bigger than anything you could have hoped or dreamed, it's available for you too. Simply by saying yes to Jesus today. The question is, what will you say? What will you do? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for what you're speaking to us. And I ask, God, in your name, that you would stretch us and challenge us and grow us, God, in such a way that we can understand the vision that you have for our lives. I pray that we would walk completely in your will and walk completely in your calling. And God, I pray that every single person in this room, God, that five years from now, they would look back and say, my life is better now than I could have ever possibly hoped or dreamed because God gave me a vision for what he could do in me. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, God, but we've been honestly walking in spiritual slavery, God, because we just don't have a vision for the freedom that you've given us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to center our lives, to center everything in us around a relationship with you, God, to find ways to set aside our time, our schedule, our priorities around you. And in doing so, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to your preferred future that you would paint the picture, God, of what our lives could look like so that we have a destination and a path to begin walking towards. God, give us vision for our lives. And I pray, God, for those who aren't followers of Jesus today, but, but today are ready to say yes to this. And I pray with them, God, I pray this prayer. I, I say yes to relationship with you. God, I say yes to starting down this path. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I give it to you. Lord, I pray that you would guide my steps, that you would guide my choices, guide my actions. I pray that you would forgive me of my sin and my brokenness. God, I just confess I've tried it on my own and I can't make it. And I just accept, Jesus, the fact that you lived and you died and you rose to life on my behalf. And today I say yes to you. I pray that you would move in my life and that you would give me a vision at the beginning of a relationship with you, God, that never goes away for the rest of my life. Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.